1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Thursday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. Familiar face. We got Harvey Hyde on the line. Follow him on Twitter at Harvey Hyde. We also have in studio Mr. Colin Cowherd. You might have heard of him on Fox Sports. He's got a lot of opinions, talks for three hours a day, giving all his takes, but he knows a lot about the USC Trojans. We have him in studio. Colin, thanks for coming in.
0: Great to be here with you and the coach.
1: Yeah, and the coach, Harvey Hyde, we're always welcome into you too. Well, thank you very
2: much. It's great to be with Colin, and of course you, Ryan. We do it weekly, but to have uh, Colin with us, wow. I remember when he was in Las Vegas in diapers, <laughs> and, and I remember uh, how he was working out in Henderson. I think it was the Green Valley gym or something out there. used yep. to see him out there. And uh, i tell you, first thing I want to do, Colin, is congratulate you on how you've gone through... Uh, the steps of being successful, and you've done a great job, and we're all so
0: proud of you. Well, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. I've covered everybody from Tark to Tyson to uh, Trent Dilfer in Tampa to, uh, you know, my days at my former employer to Fox. I've been very fortunate. Worked hard, but had great bosses and great support.
1: So if people don't know, um, so Coach Harvey Hyde was the head coach at UNLV, yep. so he was in Las Vegas. And, Colin, was it one of your first sports casting jobs? It was.
0: Yeah, no, no. Harvey was the coach. In fact, if I recall, there was a quarterback who had just, Sam King was there for a while, and then I worked with Sam King in the booth for a couple of years. So UNLV was offensively a lot of fun, Uh, won some games, had some really talented players. Uh, You know, getting support in Vegas for a football team was always a challenge, but yeah. the, you know, it was because they played out at the Sam Boyd Silver Bowl, which there's a lot of people that live out near there now, but there wasn't when Harvey was there. Well, what happened too, Colin?
2: The city had about three hundred and fifty thousand people and now it's a couple million, so there's a lot more people to uh, you know, get attracted to college football. Eventually after we got some things going and won some games, everyone wanted to come, which the same thing Tark did. You couldn't get a ticket yeah. to the Thomas and Mac.
1: Yeah, no. So what was the what was the relationship like back then? Was it uh you know he's probably one of the first coaches you kind of Work closely with or? well, Tark
0: was the first guy I covered. you know it was fun initially, but they were so controversial that you know I was constantly having to go cover a team that was you know dealing with controversial topics so it was it, after a while, I felt like I was an attorney you know yeah. it was, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more fun to cover sports i don't I don't have any great interest in talking nCAA issues and it 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 got complicated, yeah
2: well, as long as you
1: spelled the name correctly, we were getting promoted
0: yeah. Yeah, Tark was fun to – he was easy to talk to. He'd yell at me occasionally, but he was easy to talk to. Nice.
1: What well, yeah. what was uh, – was Colin fair back then, Coach? <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah,
2: I was there. I, no, I was, mean, was he uh, fair? We went, we went through it. I'll tell you what happened. Colin, and you, you have to agree with us. We wanted a place that people didn't expect us to win at, and we were beating people that uh, they say, how can they beat people? And it became really the – uh, the the following people love TARC. And uh, I, I just sort of went along after TARC's success, and when I would recruit, they'd say, oh, yes, the running Rebels. It really worked.
0: Yeah, Wayne Nunley was uh, a coach when I was there. He didn't have a great success. No, I mean, TARC, listen, it was a time when college basketball was bigger than it is now. It was huge. Yeah. You'd bring back, I mean, a guy like Patrick Ewing would come back for his junior year. <laughs> <laughs> you know Zion. We all knew going into about the tenth game. Oh, he's going to last twenty more games, and he's gone. Yeah. So college basketball was formidable. Tark was a huge personality. Vegas at the time was the fastest growing city. They had an outlaw kind of rebel brand to him, which made for great headlines. Billy yeah. Packer, Dick Enberg, college basketball games of the week got better ratings than the NBA games of the week. It was wow. a. It was a. Back then, you had five NBA players on the floor for some of these teams. Like I mean it was it was there were pros everywhere. The yeah. game was very formidable. Now it's the minute you're talented you're off to the NBA.
1: It was big outside of March Madness. It's, it's March Madness is still big, but yes. the regular season and all that stuff is just not it's not it's not as big anymore.
2: But uh, Well, basketball has changed a lot as you know, Colin, and uh, you're right. Uh, when you know television actually scheduled Tark's games because he would play anybody as long as it's home and home, you yeah. know. The came in there. The aircraft carrier came in there. Uh, you, you, you know, everybody came in there and gave everybody a great show, and Tark would play anybody, anywhere. Uh, Barkley down at uh, Arkansas, he went down there, and, and television knew Tark was a big draw. So why not schedule him somebody and everybody would watch it? Yeah.
0: No, those were fun times. It was fun. It was a good first job to have. Most guys' first job is in like Midland, Texas. <laughs> and I got Jerry Tarkanian and Mike Tyson and mobsters. The mob was still alive in Vegas when I got out. Of, you know, it was like 1987. Yeah. So there was still like, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a wild 24-hour town that was much less corporate than today. Yeah. And you had Coach Hyde. Well, I, I miss coach Hyde. Coach Hyde had a show and had been there. I inherited a guy named Wayne Nunley who coached in the NFL for years. Great guy, but they didn't have much success. Yeah.
1: Um, well, coach, if you have anything else on Vegas, or we can move on and talk a let's little. Let's move USC. on and talk USC. USC. All right, let's talk USC. Yeah. So coach and I were at a Trojan club event last night. Uh, it's Trojan athletic club Fonda uh, They changed the name or whatever it is, but up in the, uh, uh, was it San Fernando Valley and the uh, Ventura County. We spoke with uh, Pete Arbogast, the voice of the Trojans. And we also had John Jackson, who's a uh, you know, former USC guy who's been a longtime announcer and is recovering from a stroke. He was doing wonderful. But we got to kind of chat with a lot of USC fans up there. Um, you haven't talked a ton of, you know, USC hasn't really been nationally relevant, so it's hard yeah. for you to talk about the show. But you still know a lot about the team. So maybe kind of give your initial thoughts, Colin, of what's that uh, Well, I mean, I,
0: I thought last year when they lost to UCLA, a team that only had 54 scholarship players in that game and played 18 freshmen, redshirt or true freshmen, I thought USC uh, kind of quit. I thought that was an indictment on the program. Uh, I don't think Gra- Graham Harrell, although I think he'll be very clever, I don't think he singularly um, changes what I think is a fundamental problem within the program, which is player development. Um, I've talked to three NFL GMs in the last year, uh, all of which have been GMs of teams that won playoff games. And the overwhelming feeling with USC is what has happened to their line play? What has happened to the offensive line? Uh, what has happened to the de- defensive line personnel? Uh, there's You're getting five-star recruits and three-star results. You're not seeing first and second and third-round players So I think in today's college football, as much as we talk about spacing and air raid, you have to win at the point of attack. And I think USC's offensive line erosion is clear. Uh, The player development is a problem. Um, I, I, I think USC's quarterback play, receivers, corners, linebackers are still very good. But you can't compete with Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma. You have to have NFL bodies. And I think it's been a problem within the program. I don't think Graham Harrell is going to solve that. Um, I tell people all the time: When's the last time USC lined up for a season and ran over people? Yeah, that's that's what Clemson's doing. That's what LSU's doing. That's what Ohio State's doing. So I think that's the problem within the program, player development. I don't have an individual to blame. Head coaches take the heat, but I think it's a real problem. I don't I don't see it being solved. I think the offense will be fun this year. But it'll be a lot of spread the ball out, pass the ball up the field. It won't solve the problem, which is, can this team line up with Clemson, Auburn, LSU, and pound the football? I don't think they can. I don't see it. I haven't seen it for years. Yeah. Coach, what do you think about that?
2: Well, he's uh, repeating exactly what I said last night. Some people agreed. Some didn't. The crowd agreed. You've got to be physical up front, and they have, And defensively, they don't have a Leonard Williams. What happened to the Brad Buddies? What happened to the Munozes? What happened to these type of players? And I think uh, when you uh, play uh, football on, on, on grass, uh, or basketball, Clay Hilton calls it, on grass, you become soft. You're not a physical team. You're basically a, a pretty guy, pretty boy type of team where you try to do it the easy way rather than trying to get after it and grind it out and be tough and get someone to surrender, that's not the way they're going about it. And, you know, at USC, you don't have to do it like some schools do it uh, with the air raid attack because they're trying to equalize the difference in their programs. USC is a sleeping giant. They should compete every single year with the type of teams that Colin just mentioned. And I think they have the ability there. They just have to have the philosophy to get that type of thing going. And I said it last night, too. I didn't think Coach Clay Helton surrounded himself with the best of staff that he needed when he came to USC. He was lucky he had Sam Darnold, who really got it done for him him offensively, when really uh, the offensive coordinator, it was his first time, and he didn't have a plan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I talked to an NFL GM um, about – Oh, it was right before the draft uh, with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And he brought Sam Darnold in on the whiteboard. And this team brought Baker Mayfield in on the whiteboard. And the takeaway was Sam Darnold had not been coached. That Sam was miles behind Baker on the whiteboard. Um, That that Baker Mayfield was drawing up plays, offenses, philosophies. Schematically, Baker was – now Baker's older than Sam. But, but the feeling around Sam Darnold in the NFL is it was hero ball. Sam was saving a very a simplistic offense. Uh, it wasn't very multiple. Um, and that Sam really plateaued his sophomore year. His junior year, he was kind of the same guy. And I think it hurt Sam Darnold a little in that draft. That people said, well, where's the, where's the jump? Well, football has always been in America the coaching sport. Baseball is all analytics. The general manager hands the manager the batting order. Basketball is a, pro, is a player's league. Football is a coaching sport. And, and And Alabama has not always been great. They're great when they've had great coaches. <laughs> yeah. Clemson has not always been great. They've been great when they have great coaches. It doesn't matter how big your brand is. Michigan, USC, if you don't have the right guys coaching – You're not the same program, and I don't see player development. I think it's a finesse program. And to Harvey's point, you know, Chip Kelly was necessary at Oregon. Okay, They had to find a schematic edge, a spacing and speed edge. That's not USC's problem. Everybody wanted Austin Jackson. You know, you go to these recruiting websites, everybody wanted Jay Tuafele. He was recruited by everybody. These are elite players, and they're plateauing. They're not growing. Coach, well, thoughts? you know, yeah.
2: to to go along with that, uh, Colin and Ryan, I'll, I'll use this example. Chip Kelly was very successful in college, but when, when he went to the NFL and played against players that were just as good and better and had great speed, didn't get it done, lost his job. So, you know, and also his style of play, everyone's caught up to it now. Yeah. They know what it is. They know how to defensive it. You play a lot of faster players because it's a speed game and all of that, so... That's why I think he's struggling at UCLA, and I and I think what you said about UCLA beating USC last year—they didn't just beat them, Colin. They really stoned them. Uh, their running back Kelly, that was a transfer, I think, rushed for 240 yards against them. That's unheard of.
0: Yeah. Now that was that was. Listen, I I had said last year to you, uh, Ryan, on on one of your podcasts. That I I didn't think anybody that I trusted their opinion uh, NFL guys, college guys. Um, I mean, it's it's. I mean, the USC is ranked 45th in the latest AP poll. Yeah. That doesn't take you know. We all know this is a program kind of without a real direction at this point. Um, you know, I, I think if you just look at what's happening, they did not recruit an elite offensive lineman last year that everybody wanted. They are not in on any elite offensive linemen this year. That's frightening. Yeah. Uh, to Harvey's point, UCLA pushed them around. They had 54 scholarship players available. You, you can miss on a running back because a running back can come into a program and play immediately if he's a high level. Offensive linemen need time and coaching and weight rooms. Uh, and the state of California increasingly is not giving you those linemen. You know, Denver West, the health and wellness, the green plate problem in college football. The kids out West eat healthier. They're smaller. They need time to develop. You know, offensive lineman plays at Palos Verdes. He's 288. Yeah. In Louisiana, he's 327. Yeah. So you you got to bring these kids in and develop them in weight room. So you start having bad back-to-back offensive line classes, That will that will be a problem for four years. That is hard to overcome. You can miss on receivers and backs. You know, you get a recruiter goes out and get a great receiver. That kid in camp pops yeah. week four, he's ready to play.
1: Yeah, we've seen that a lot actually at USC, and the, the the question has been a lot on the offensive line. We watched the scrimmage on Saturday. Did you, you didn't did you end up going out to it? No, you know? but
0: I you know I read every report, and yeah. you know once again the issue was it's a great line if you're doing three step drops and getting rid of the ball, but they did <laughs> not impose their will, which has become kind of the trend at USC. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, uh, you know they talk about they want to run the ball. They want to run the ball, as you said last night, Ryan. They ran the ball 17 times. And they didn't run it with any success whatsoever. Their running game comes off of the passing game. People are coming up to the field there. Then they'll run a play. If they're getting pressure where they can't get the ball off, they're going to run the football or run a draw or a quick screen or something to take the pressure off of them. So then they really haven't emphasized the run. I really don't believe that. They talk always about the air raid. No one talks about the running game. They talk about it and they say how good the running backs really are. And I think they are talented. But they're not going to run anywhere until they're taught how to block and be tough up front. And when you have 3-foot, 4-foot, 5-foot splits, you're giving tremendous gaps for the defensive lineman to come through to make the tackle before the play gets started. Now, if you run right at it, you have a better shot. So I think, really, they've got to reevaluate. And I know this week the practices are closed, so they'll probably... Emphasize more of the running game. At least I hope they do in the play-action pass, but they have no play-action pass because they can't run the football. And the quarterbacks really aren't the athletic type of quarterbacks. And Colin and Ryan, you know this if you look at the top teams in the country, they got athletic quarterbacks. And this, this type of offense really requires an offensive uh, running, uh, offensive uh, and, and coordinated athletic quarterback. But you only have run one running back. So you key on the run one running backs and if the quarterback doesn't run, hey your 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 running game is gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I think. I think Fresno State. I think their opening five games are tough. Yeah. Um, I think we will uh, find out very quickly uh, what USC is and what I think they will be is a team with very little depth up front, one or two injuries from real problems. Um. And I. And I, I. I. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel now I don't want to be cynical but um I mean let me ask you if they lined up tomorrow with Clemson Clemson would name the score pretty much yeah. it would be a 40 50 point blowout yeah I don't think anybody doubts that um Washington could compete with Clemson wouldn't beat them, but could compete with them yeah I also think what's hurting USC now is because of their current dysfunction and lack of momentum Washington's had back-to-back Very strong classes. Keep your eye on the Huskies. Peterson's a great player development coach. Uh, Last year, they had their best defensive class probably since Don James was around. This year, they're adding some offensive elements, tackles, uh, I mean, speed receivers, running backs. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I look at USC right now. I have real concerns not only this year, but going forward until... Uh, they make drastic changes.
1: I get, well, I get this question a lot, Colin. I want to ask you real quick: the what does Clay Helton have to do to save his job? There's not a lot of like in the Pac-12. There's really not a lot of coaches on the hot seat outside of Clay Helton. Probably nationally, that's the number one name that comes up all the time. People ask me all the time, "What do you think he has to do to to be retained after this?" Do you season? think
0: they can win at Oregon or at Washington or at Notre Dame? Well, they got Oregon at home. Oregon like at home. It, yeah. At Washington. At Notre Dame.
1: Yeah. Uh, they got at BYU. And uh, at ASU, um, but yeah, they and they have you know Utah at home, Stanford at home. It, it, the first six games are really tough. Yeah, so it's like, what do you
0: do? I'm I sure. would say by October fifteenth, we will know the future of USC football. I think yeah. it will be uh, unveiled very quickly. Okay, I, I don't think this is one of these. You know, they're eight and one late. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we'll know six weeks in and it may be sooner, I think the average reasonably tight in fan will have a very strong sense of where the program's going, either new coach or retaining this coach. Makes sense. Coach, did you agree with yeah. that? Or
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: I do. I, I'll tell you this, guys. and Don't overlook Utah. Carl Whittingham develops players. He never has one of the top classes ever. He's in the top 20 or 25 and takes a lot of transfers and junior college players. I'll tell you, you don't want to line up and play him, too. A lot of publications have their defensive line as the top defensive line in the country, so you know how physical they are. Got his quarterback back, Huntley, and the running back back, who uh, they won five straight at the end of the year when both those kids didn't play. So you better watch out for Utah, too, because they can beat anybody in the conference, and they come in and play. USC on a Friday night, and they always look forward to coming to Southern California and playing well in the
0: Coliseum. You know, it, you know what's interesting about Utah. You generally college football programs are like businesses. I should be able to say a business, and you have a picture in your mind what they are. If I say Amazon, you're like world's best retailer. Drones. <laughs> if I say Utah football, the first thing you think is physical line play. Yeah, you think a physical, tough detail orient if i say you if i say usc football today it's like
1: flashy but not a lot of substance sort of thing i mean what what
0: what is yeah. the brand this morning i think if i say bama it if i say your business and if you don't have a mental picture of what are they yeah. well then either do recruits you have to college football remember in the nfl i draft you in college football you pick me you have to give players a sense, and coaches, by the way, a sense of what you are. Yeah, I don't think USC has a What is USC football today? Utah football, even Oregon with Mario Cristobal. They're going to be very physical up front. He's an offensive line guy. they got three NFL offensive linemen. He's trying to create, and by the way, this is what Tucker's trying to do at Colorado, a big, he's going to do a lot of Southern recruiting. We're going to be big and physical up front. That used to be USC's brand. Yeah. What is their football identity today? There is no identity, and you know,
1: like you know, what Utah's going to be. Even Stanford last year, they tried to be something, and they had to change into more of an air raid team because they had all these receivers and stuff. But but what well, their brand is usually. But you know what it is.
0: Physical. Yeah. Run the football. I mean, the the more clear I'm aligned with your brand, generally the better product you sell or the better business you are. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're basically saying, Colin, what's your identity? Who are you? Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said last night, I say all the time, that uh, you want to be the type of football team that everyone wants, wants to be like. And that's the way it used to be. You don't want to be like everybody else. You want to be the type of team that says, oh, my, we got to go to the Coliseum. I hope we can get out of here without getting hurt so we can finish our season. And that's the type of football team.
0: We all look
2: at USC, and I think it should still be that type of football team. Why change? Go in the same direction.
1: Um, before, I know Colin's got to go in a few minutes, and we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Coach and answer some questions. But Colin, has that been all that positive? If you're a USC fan listening, is there some light at the end of the tunnel? Do you feel something They're like, hey, this could go fall the right way, and you might see this team win a lot of games?
0: Well, I do think their receiving core is exceptional. And I do think offensively, although there'll be a finesse offense, they're highly skilled. So the best case scenario is they are a fast, fun, skilled, very talented offense. And I do think their defensive front has some returning players, Brandon Peely, J. uh EA, the linebacker. There is some talent in that. Defensive front. Yeah. So I think best case scenario, they're fast and skilled on offense with a clear identity. It may be a finesse identity, but it's an identity. We're fast. We're skilled. We're aggressive. We attack. And then defensively, not a lot of depth, but you see an attacking physical defense in the box, allowing what I believe are very talented corners to kind of live on an island. And you get a couple breaks early in the schedule, uh, the, you can feel a sense of, um, a little bit of a sense of redemption. I, what I worry about this team is they struggle early and the players immediately go back to, we lost to UCLA last year. Yeah, I think if you start 3-0, you're not perfect, but you're scoring, you're exciting. This is a young team. There's momentum. The vibe is strong. Then you can get it rolling because it is the Pac-12. There are not a lot of places that you go and can't win. Washington will be tough. Yeah. So I think the best case scenario, an identity, skilled offensively, you stay healthy defensively, and it's an aggressive defense up front that in a conference this year without a ton of great quarterback play outside of Oregon – you make it. You make it. You, an aggressive defense makes it difficult for some of the kind of average quarterbacks the conference has. I mean, Arizona State's starting a true freshman. Yeah, there's a lot of that in the conference. It's not a great year for quarterbacks in the conference.
1: Yeah, you got KJ Costello, like Stephen Montez in Colorado. You know, there's Herbert at Oregon's yeah. really good. Uh, and Tyler Huntley, I like. You know, I like him a lot. So uh, at Utah, we'll see. All right. Well, we you know, Colin, we got to let you go. Thanks so much for uh, coming in and everything,
0: Coach. We need to see each other face-to-face. It's probably Ryan's responsibility Damn it. <laughs> to have a lunch. Let's blame Ryan for that, Coach, because you and I are very busy. He just screws around in flip-flops all day.
2: <laughs> hey, buddy, thank you very much for joining us in our broadcast. Good luck to you.
0: Thank you, Harvey.
1: All right, everyone else will be back in uh, a minute, uh, talking with Harvey Hyde about the team. One minute. <laughs>
3: New CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. The Senate, the new criminals to
1: catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder.
3: And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J.
4: Violin Island, you got it. Welcome
3: to Paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount. <laughs>
1: Well, that was fun. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that segment with Colin Cowherd. We were trying to get him on a little longer, but he had some places to run, but it's nice that he came in after a show and uh, stopped in our studio and got to chat a little bit and it was It was cool to hear you guys talk, coach because it was uh you know fun back in the day.
2: It is, and uh, I respect him a lot He has a lot of knowledge on football and all sports, and it's good to go back and forth and uh give our opinions and we want everybody to know it's just our opinions on how we look at it. I agree with some of the things that you say, Ryan, and you don't agree with a lot of things I say. And <laughs> Colin doesn't agree with everything I say, and hey, that's what makes it great.
1: He came out guns blazing, though. Like he was not uh, holding back at all. So I tried to like get him to say something positive at the end. So,
2: well, good. You know, uh, uh, like I said, you know, USC uh, is well. I didn't say it this time, but I've said it before. They're a better football team than they were a year ago because they have at least a philosophy of what they're trying to do. Everybody knows they're going to throw the football. They've got skilled receivers that they're going to take advantage of. Uh, we just got to wait to see now exactly how that works. And uh, it's different than before when you had a first-year offensive coordinator and you had a uh, an uncle coaching the offensive line and a brother coaching the quarterbacks and blah, blah, blah. You've got now people at positions that have played those positions and coached those positions before and have been offensive coordinators before and have an offense that they know how to implement and what they want to do with it. So I think they'll be better on the offensive side of the football. On the defensive side of the football, I haven't seen them really excel at pass rush uh, because now when you spread the field, and of course they're going against each other, when you spread the field like USC is doing with great receivers, it's very difficult for the secondary to stop these great receivers, especially when they're physical, big, and fast. So the only way you can do that, they can't cover all day, is get after the quarterback. you got to get after him. You can't give him time to read the field and, and do all the things that are necessary, and you've got to harass him. Plus, you got to drop eight and rush three. got to really mix it up on him so he can't just take you for granted. And I haven't seen USC really do that now with, uh, during practice. They certainly didn't do it Saturday in the Coliseum uh, during their game preview game showcase. So we'll have to see how they do defensively. I want to see if they can rush to the quarterback because I haven't seen them really get after the quarterback the way they're going to have to and have great contain and great speed from the outside. So we'll have to see what happens. Fresno State will bring uh, a well-coached football team. Not a lot of experience on that football team, but a team that knows how to win has learned to win under Tedford, and they'll look forward to playing USC in the brand-new Coliseum.
1: Yeah, they've got that Tedford-Clancy-Pendergast uh, connection. They were both at Cal, so it should be interesting. Um, before we jump into the questions, we got like four voicemails for you today, Coach. Um, we, uh, I want to talk about the Pasadena Quarterbacks Club real quick. So the day before USC's game against Fresno State, uh, USC head coach Clay Helton will be at your luncheon up there. Maybe tell people a little bit about that.
2: Right. Uh, every year, Coach Cl- Helton has been great. I mean, who would be doing... Uh, a quarterback club meeting uh, at noon the day before his opening game. Nobody but Coach Clay Helton. He's been really great to the club. We have a huge turnout, great food, fabulous food. It all gets started. We, come, we start a little earlier when Coach Clay Helton is there, so everyone gets a lot of food and everything. So the door's open at 1045. You can start eating then. Uh, I would come early if you want a good table. And uh, the program starts at 1130. I've always promised him he'll be back or gone by 1 o'clock, and if he stays longer, that's his fault. He always stays and talks and takes pictures and so on. It's at the University Club. I don't have the address, but Google it. University Club in Pasadena, California. It'll all start Coach Clay Helton the day before the opening game. It'll be really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, it will be. I've been there, I think, the last couple years, so... Plan on being up there again and uh, not like a media event or anything, but it's cool. You have some media there, but just kind of hanging out hearing what he has to say and uh, fans ask him questions. It's, it's, it's a cool time. So it's a cool event. Make sure you check it out. Um, well, let's jump into some questions, coach, because we got a lot. People were calling in like crazy wanting to talk about this team. So let me uh, start off with our first voicemail. Here you go.
5: Hey, Ryan, this is Johnny, class of 2016. I uh, just got back from the fall showcase. Uh, I'd give Devin Williams MVP of that game. The dude just changes the field. He changes the entire game when he's in there. made a couple great touchdown catches and drew a couple pass interference penalties. Um, low light, probably be the defense in general. Um, a lot of penalties there. And, it, you know, I saw a couple hands on hips there towards the end. Hopefully they figure out uh, their strength and conditioning. And get in shape for two weeks from now. Um, just my question for you, and the coach or Dan or whoever's there. How do you feel the offense is progressing with Graham Harrell? Um, the offense was kind of vanilla in that uh, in the scrimmage, but that's to be expected. Uh, how creative do you think they're going to get? It seemed like last year they were a little bit everything. Uh, so, what do you expect to see um, from them in terms of the type of routes and route combinations that they got coming up for us next year uh, with those great receivers? Thanks. Love you guys. Love the show. Bye.
2: Thank you for calling in. I'll tell you, that's a good observation of their skilled receivers. They do have uh, great receivers. And uh, Devin Williams, I'm telling you right now, that kid's going to play in the NFL. I, I know there's others that are going to play in the NFL, but that kid is really a tremendous player. He's almost unstoppable with his speed and height and the fade routes. You have to play him loose because he'll run by you big target really is a great receiver but as far as uh, USC is concerned uh, yes they're going to have to I think improve a lot on the running game I think the next week or two during this uh, uh, period of time they're going to have to develop a series in their running game and a little bit of uh, quarterback bootleg to hold the backside and run straight ahead more than laterally it's very difficult to run laterally Uh, when you have huge line splits. And I know they run laterally because they want to put the back out in the flat when they have a two-back set, flood the zones and so on, and run a little bootleg action. But they've got to establish to run, or that isn't worth a darn, and they certainly haven't established to run. I didn't think they ran well at all on Saturday, and I don't really think they tried. Uh, They did. I think they ran basically just so we all thought, that they can run the football or want to run the football, but that's not their philosophy to run the football. I, I differ with a lot of people on that. A lot of people think that they do want to run the football. Well, I believe they do, but that's not their emphasis. Their emphasis is the pass to football, and he's not kidding anybody. With great receivers like that, I'd do the same thing. But again, he's got to learn, too, to teach his quarterback that it's not a 11-on-11 11 11 or 7-on-7 seven seven, uh Practice, and, and that's what he had on Saturday. They spread the field, they had no rush on him whatsoever, and uh, he really had his opportunity to read the field, put the ball up in the air, and they throw the fade really well with the large uh, receivers. But you know, he's going to see different looks, and he's going to see an aggressive type of defense, so they've got to be ready for that and practice against that. And And I don't know how much they've done against that type of defense that really wants to come after you, contain you push you up in the pocket to your defensive front guys that are coming forward, get their hands up where you can't see. So we'll see what happens with that. And, of course, Fresno will give them a challenge. I think they'll come after him because they're not that uh, physical. They have eight starters back on the defensive side of the football. Those guys have learned to win over there. But I don't think they have the talent to stop the great receivers if they can pass block. And, again, they've got to establish the run or people are going to play pass the whole time.
1: And I think uh, on the the route trees, I do think they're different, uh, a little bit different than what we've seen uh, before. I think they're going to utilize the middle of the field more. There'll be more crossing routes, things like that. And just even like that little slant that Devin Williams ran in the uh, the showcase from JT Daniels, I thought was great. I felt like he broke something off because he saw there was a hole in the defense. JT Daniels recognized that and just hit him with a quick pass. He makes one guy miss or runs through one of the defenders and he's in for a touchdown. So I think you're going to see some little differences. You should see guys open as opposed to catching balls and double coverage. So you'll see some of that too.
2: No, I agree with you. And again, you're going to have to mix up your coverages too. You're not going to just show a coverage and uh, then not mix it up. You've got to show a coverage and get out of that coverage. You've got to come up and, bump the receivers at the line of scrimmage so they don't have their timing getting off the ball. Then you got to play back and play zone and then roll up into a cover two and do different things. So there's a lot of things you've got to do on defense, so a quarterback just can't take things for granted. But when you have a mismatch like what you did with Williams and you have the middle of the field with no safety there, obviously he's going to come off the line of scrimmage, fake an outright, outright route or a corner route or a fade route and break to the middle of the field. And he's a big target with great hands. So, you know, there's these type of things that, that they can do. So you've got to take that away somehow with your defensive philosophy and game plan.
1: All right. Uh, let's go to, we have, uh, another question. This one, I think about the quarterback. So I'll play it for you.
4: Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. Um, As far as the quarterbacks go, if all of them are even as far as their play, especially throwing the ball, if they can throw all the passes needed for this offense, then uh, we need to run the quarterback, offer the read option sometimes, even if it's JT Daniels even if he has to slide so he can be a threat so they can't collapse down on the running back. You have, that's the only way we run the ball. It's a read option look. So the quarterback has to be some kind of threat so the defensive end has to stay home. If you want to run the ball really well, um, Jack Sears is pretty fast. If he can throw all the throws needed for this offense, then make the offense go better. Curtis from Moreno Valley.
2: Well, Curtis, thank you for calling in, and I agree with you 100%. You've got to stretch the defense. You can't let them just gang up and key your running back and know that the quarterback's not going to run the football. And I didn't see them doing much of that at all. In fact, on Saturday, I don't think the quarterback carried the ball one time on a read. And, uh, and, and, and uh, you know... Uh, i don't know if that's their philosophy but you've got to be able to do that you've got to be able to spread the field otherwise they collapse down and forget it so uh, you know this is this is their choice and this is the things they have to do i don't think you have a complete series if you don't do that and as you watch it you don't even see the fake even the fake to hold them even if you're not going to ca- carry the ball they just hold their hand out and pretend like they're going to give the football to the guy and they just stand up and throw the football. It's just a, I don't know, a motion, but no carry out at all. As far as with the quarterback, as far as stretching the field, I agree a hundred percent. And I think they have to do that. They don't have to do it all the time, but they got to do it enough that the defense has to consider that they may run the football and they have to hold the backside in and have him key him.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, having to do that. Uh, let's see. We have another question. This has to do with the quarterbacks as well. I'll play it for you. This
6: is Eddie from Orange, and I got to tell you, very excited about JT being named starter. I think this puts uh, USC in the best position to win with Graham Herald's offense, and this is lining up just like JT's career at uh, modern day. Um, comes in as a freshman, has a rough first year, second year, lets, you know, runs the air raid. You know, throws for a bajillion yards. I think he threw for close to 5,000 his his sophomore year at Notre Dame. Um, you know, gets really close to winning a championship, um but ends up not doing too well. You know, ends up losing his last game in the playoffs. Kind of see the same kind of thing happen here where, you know, USC does really well, but ends up losing the last game. And then his junior year, JT won a national championship. So, and with a big profile, high profile game to kick off the season, Notre um, Dame versus Bishop Gorman. Um, beat a, you know, running a powerhouse. JT will have a chance to do that his uh, junior year. And then just like in high school, he'll leave early. Uh, that, yeah, that's my thoughts. What do you guys think? I think that's what's going to happen. Later.
2: Well, you know, obviously everybody hopes that uh, JT Daniels has that type of year. You just talked about that he did have in high school. He's been selected as a starting quarterback. And who's the backup quarterback? We really don't know. I think he, uh, Coach Clay Helton would have been better off saying uh, the other three we we're not sure exactly what the order would be rather than put a certain order in at this time, because you're going to have some dejected people there. You've got an excited freshman as far as Solis is concerned, but I don't know the feelings of Sears, first of all, who's been there a long period of time and did a great job and played well against Arizona State, and Matt Fink, who went away and then came back, and nothing against the kid, but they put him above. Sears, and Sears was loyal throughout the entire spring and did not go to Portal and so on to possibly transfer. So not getting into that, uh, well, it's J.T.'s uh, spot to lose. I'll put it to you that way. It's his to lose. He'll be the starting quarterback against Fresno State, and if everything goes well, as everybody hopes it does, that are Trojan fans, he'll secure that position. And for Coach Clay Helton, I certainly works too. hope it works too, because down the road, if... He has to make a substitution and pull JT Daniels because of their not having success offensively. That's going to make everyone sort of question the whole program. And as far as did he start the right guy or was it predetermined that he was going to be the starter? So I think that it's very important, and I'm sure if he does pull JT Daniels, that's not going to be a happy kid either. So we'll see what happens, and that's why you play the game, and that's why they're the coach, and they're paid to make the decisions on who should be the starters, not only a quarterback, but all positions. And of course we talk about it and give our opinions too. So we'll see what happens with that. And Ryan, I'm sure you have an opinion too.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm more of the guys on the side that's excited. You know, our other caller talking about you, you want to see a Jack Sears and I I like Dan Weber's point where if you have a poor offensive scheme, it's better to have an athletic quarterback that can take off and run and, and fix you know, fix the problems that your offensive scheme brings to the table. We talked about earlier in the show, what Sam, you know, coach Hyde mentioned Sam Darnold being a big reason why that offense worked. Um, And people look at Jack Sears like, Oh, he could save you like Sam Darnold did. I think what you're going to look at now is really having an offensive identity. And some people might not agree what that identity is, or, you know, that that it's going to be more of a finesse offense, like we talked about earlier, but that's really what you're bringing to the table. And, and, if you do that and you're going to put JT Daniels in a much better position to succeed, he shouldn't have to be the most athletic guy out there to make it work. And he's finding the open guy and getting him the ball. And one thing that you could look at from the scrimmage is he did get one extra series than the other quarterbacks, but it was like a, you know, series with a bunch of walk-ons in it. And it was like cut off halfway in between for the most part, they had about the same amount of turns, um, all the quarterbacks. And JT Daniels was just more efficient with the football. He threw more passes. He completed more passes. There were shorter passes. He moved the ball down the field and picked up first downs, whereas some of the other quarterbacks was sort of like bad play, bad play, long bomb that worked or pass interference or something and keep the drive going. Um, not really the same level of efficiency. So I like what JT Daniels brings to the table. I think the offense will be more efficient. Um, and, yeah, I I agree. I think uh, I think he's going to do good things. It, Coach and I don't always see eye eye on this, but I think JT Daniels is the right guy for this job.
2: Well, I'm going to support what your decision is because that's the decision that Coach Clay Helton has. But I think you've got some quarterbacks, too, that are gamers, too, as well as JT Daniels, and I don't know if they'll get in the game and be able to show their skills. I know Jack Sears got in last year and showed his skills. Everybody comes back and tells me how well JT Daniels did against Notre Dame, and I agree 100%. But you've got to be a leader, you've got to be the type of player that the players like and believe in and want to follow. And I've always said this, nothing against anybody, but if you took every player on the team on the offensive side of the football and you said, vote for who the quarterback should be, but of course the quarterbacks can't vote, but the offensive side of the football can vote, I'd be real surprised and I'd love to know what the offensive players would think? Who should be the starting quarterback at USC?
1: Yeah, I'm curious too. Uh, I mean, we've definitely heard that there's people that were in, you know, the Jack Sears camp, you know. Um, but I, you know, I feel like JT is going to do a pretty good job leading this team. Uh, but we'll see. That's uh, certainly been a question. Um, but I, we talked about talent um, earlier, and uh, Colin Coward was uh, a little skeptical of the talent USC has, uh, especially on the offensive line. Um, you know, you like the skill positions, linebackers, things like that. There's some pretty good defensive linemen, but this comes up a lot, coach. So we have a really simple question from Andrew. Is it a talent or a coach issue at USC? What do you think?
2: Is it a talent or coaching situation? At issue. USC? Is that what's
1: what, what's uh, USC's issue? Is it talent or is it coaching?
2: Well, I think it's been a combination, especially last year, the last several years in certain key positions. I think it's been part of coaching and direction of the players as far as having something and putting the right players on the field and performing uh, things that those players can achieve and play at their best. I think a lot of the players have been confused on the field over the last several years uh, as far as uh, with USC, and I'm not sure that the top players are on the field always. Uh, I think, uh, as we mentioned, uh, I know Sam Darnold got it straightened away, made some unbelievable plays and passes, and so on, to get it done. He made something out of nothing at times, and uh, miraculous plays. So, you know, I think that it has to be both sides. That that win, both sides lose. You've got to, you all win, you all lose. And I think that it, it was a combination of the athlete being confused, thinking rather than playing. Too many penalties, beating yourself, and uh, just uh, not having a rhythm or an identity. That's what they were and have been. I think now uh, the talent level uh, is at certain positions are very good, but at other positions are maybe questionable. Uh, a lot of it uh, they've had great recruiting years uh, in the past. They've had some great recruiting years the last couple of years and have those players matured and played up to their ability, and have they gotten better every year? Have they been coached to get better every year? And I think that's part two of what a coach's responsibility is, to bring the potential out of a player, recruit great players, and then forecast what they should be and take them to that level. I'm not quite sure that has happened over the last couple of years. So uh, getting the right players on the field, getting those players to perform, not having them think when they play football, having them know and react with their great athletic ability is something that I think is very important. And coaches knowing what their scheme is, what their offense is, what to look for, and letting someone be in charge that knows the philosophy of their offense and defense and letting it perform.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, we got one last question for you, Coach, and then we'll let you go. It's been an interesting show. Um With uh, Colin coming in studio again, that was a lot of fun. But here is uh, our friend, Joan. Hi, this is Joan again.
3: Um, I have a question for uh, Coach Harvey Hyde and one for um, Colin Coward. Um, I first want to ask Harvey Hyde, from a coach's perspective, uh, what were the two most important takeaways that he got from the uh, fall showcase? And for Colin... um, i'm excited you're back on the show i love watching your show on fox and my questions are this um with the importance of a really great head coach i um, still hear your words from last uh, season when you were on ryan's show and when you said come on isn't this experiment with helton over um it wasn't obviously and still isn't so with that in mind uh, i want uh, to know two things one what success uh, does this team have to win over, um, uh, what chances of success does it have, even with Helton's coaching style and uh, with such very little change in the program? And two, if he goes sub-500 in the first five games, do you think he will be retained? So, Anyway, thanks again for your perspective. I appreciate it, and fight on.
1: Uh, thanks for the call, Joan. Unfortunately, because uh, Colin had to go, we weren't able to uh, do any questions when he was there. But I think he kind of addressed both of those uh, issues for you, talking about like what we talked about towards the end of the segment. But sorry about that. Yeah, we wanted to do some questions from from listeners, but uh, H- Harvey Hyde can still answer uh, his portion of it with the the two takeaways from the uh the spring showcase and we could talk about the other questions too, but I think Colin pretty much addressed those.
5: Yeah, he
2: did. And I think we both did as far as the showcase itself. And I thought it was the best thing they've done in two or three years. uh, As far as having a game like situation, Uh, I think they should do it again this week. I don't think they'll hit with it, but they practice uh, on and off the field and communications on and off the field substitution on and off the field and all of that. So you don't have the delay of games or not enough players on the field or whatever. I thought that was very positive on Saturday. Uh, and I thought that this, the, the Coliseum was absolutely fabulous as far as looking and, and, and seeing it and so on. I think there's things they have to really improve on over the next couple of weeks. And uh, I hope that happens. Uh, I, gonna, I'm going to be real interested in watching them play and seeing how they change in the areas they need to change in to get better, how they adjust to certain things, how they're going to handle their rotation in receivers, because they have so many great receivers. Are the receivers going to be happy? They're not going to have the number of catches, or they're not going to be on the field, or how are you going to get these players on the field to be happy? I really don't know. As far as uh, Venus Jones, I mean, the way he's playing, my goodness, unbelievable, and Devin Williams and London and McLean and Pittman and Vaughn. I mean, it goes on Brown. It goes on and on and on. And not to mention, I don't know when the tight ends will be on the field. So morale there, I sort of wonder about. Uh, offensive line, I I really want to see what happens there. Running backs, I don't know if they're going to be happy. They're going to be a receiver more than they are, I think, a running back. Will they get the running back going? What is going to be their goal line situation? I think it's going to be the fly pattern to the big receivers. That's what they'll do on a first down play. They're not afraid to run that fly or slant or whatever they give them three or four times. I don't think they're going to be a physical type of team that wants to jam it in there unless it's on the one-yard line first down and they give it a shot. So that's what we'll look at. It's going to be a different type of USC team. You're not going to be, you know, it's going to be different than what you've seen in the past as far as Watching a football game, was they're going to look like somebody else for a while until you become acquainted with USC and it's silent what they're doing on the defensive side. They've got to cover up their safeties a little bit. Their safeties got to get more involved in coverages, change their coverages, uh, get to the quarterback. Because, uh, their corners cannot cover all day, and they've been practicing against some of the top receivers in the country. So they're a little gun shy and that's what happens Uh, when you get beat a lot, you get gun shy and you lose a lot of confidence and you sort of back off and give too much ground and start to feel where the receiver is rather than use your great instinct. So I think they got to build some, uh, some confidence there and we'll see what happens when it gets started.
1: We definitely will. Um, I'm excited for this uh, to get going. We got, Football. Today's Thursday. We got football in the Pac-12 in two days. Uh, Arizona playing at Hawaii. And then, of course, uh, USC playing Fresno State uh, on August 31st. But there's some other Pac-12 games before that, too. So there should, uh, should be fun. I'm ready, coach. I'm just ready for football. We've talked about it so much. What do you think about this? Will he be fired if this happens? What if this happens? Now we get to see what actually happens. So you don't have to do... Well, what if they look like crap against Fresno State? Well, we're going to see. Do they come out and look like crap? Do they look great? Um, you, we should know We should know a, a bunch, I think, after this first game.
2: I think they'll look good. I really do. And I think they'll get a W over Fresno State. Now, all you Bulldog fans, you want to prove me wrong. But uh, USC, I think, is a better football team. I think they're better coached than they were a year ago. They have better philosophies than they did a year ago. Now, can they make it happen on the field? We'll have to wait and see. under a game type of situation. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. But uh, it's interesting, and Ryan, as you said, uh, I'm anxious to get started, too. It's been a really long off-season with a lot of things going on. It it really has been. And I think the future and the university itself needs a a great year, uh, where the people can rally around their program again and enjoy going to the Coliseum and brag about the team and at the country club or at family gatherings or argue at dinner with somebody else, a UCLA person. So it's going to be a very, very important season for USC and coach Clay Helton.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Well, that's uh, we're going to wrap it up here. That is the coach Harvey Hyde, not Clay Helton. He's Harvey Hyde. Uh, we'll see Harvey Hyde, uh, at the Pasadena quarterbacks club on, uh, August 30th. So make sure you check that out. You can Google where that's going to be. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks to Colin Cowherd for joining the show. Thanks to all of you out there for listening. And we will talk to you next time. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl stadium as a national historic landmark. America stadium has hosted two Olympic games with a third coming in 2028, two World Cup finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl game since 1923. It is the epicenter of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire2022.org. Thanks for making the Rose Bowl Stadium the number one college football stadium of all time.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com.